All right, and we're recording. All right, so this is our last podcast um, for Looking Like the Enemy. I'm joined with uh, Ethan Turner and Ab- Abigail Kasai, and our last member couldn't make it today. So I am discussion leader for this podcast. So uh, we're um, towards the end of the book, and the uh, family returns home. Um, near the war's end, and the two final chapters cover um, uh, Mary's mother's death on the farm and her first return to Minidoka in uh, 2004, and then it covers the post-war, you know, of the history of the war and uh, the outcome of our family after the our experience through the internment camps. And we can, uh, that's the end of the summary, and I'll continue the questions at the end. Um, I'll start with my structure analysis. So essentially, I had to uh, describe what purpose that does each paragraph fulfill. And I said each paragraph explains the plot thoroughly in a timely manner. And some paragraphs even have Japanese phrases within them that further show Mary's heritage and expresses her culture. The purpose it fills is to explain the timeline of her past in an organized way and leave the reader wanting to know more about what could happen next. So it said to determine where the introduction ends and where the thesis statement and the main point is stated. I said that the introduction could be where Mary talks about helping her family with legal documents regarding how about, about who gets land ownership in their farm after her brother was sent off to war and the complications that arose with it. Her main point is stated where she's frustrated that there's problems with the land ownership and she had a sudden positive realization and stated, uh, she, she stated, um, it was my responsibility and my privilege to do it for Yonechi, for our parents and for me. This, uh, this was on a sense of loyalty, respect, and gratitude for one's parents. And I believe that that was her main point leading into the final chapters of the book. Um, so the effective of the structure, I said that the structure is clear and written understandably. The structure supports the thesis or main point of the story because it summarized her life in a specific uh, time span and wrapped up her story nicely, explaining the aftermath of the war for both her family and the others she knew. And by finally coming to terms with her identity and profoundly, or sorry, proudly being both Japanese and American. When she stated, uh, when she stated everything looks the same and still wonderful, only we have changed, I felt that that really summed up a majority of the book and her uh, conflict, or her internal conflict of the identity crisis. Um, I also had a few extra notes with structure saying that she included a quote from Thelma Chang and it said, war is as close to hell on earth as a man can create and why people fight in them. If, you ever, if you've ever been in one, you never understand. So I said, including uh, this quote benefits the structure of her brother's perspective because including this quote showed how it wasn't easy to simply talk about war experiences and quotes like this um, really help you understand her brother's perspective of war and him not wanting to express it as much it's not an easy topic and then lastly i said when her mother died mary stated that uh she said she helped us build a map for the future and allowed us to hope at a time when others might have despaired which is which gives us more insight and detail to how close her and her mother were and how and how much mary looked up to her mother and how majority of the story dealing with mary's pain always led back to her mother being there for her being the courage and light in her life so i liked how that was incorporated in the overall structure of the making of the book all right i think it's my turn now uh so i was structure analysis and uh, because the end of the book i'm gonna go over some uh, not structure analysis connector my bad i'm uh you know not thinking straight I was a connector, and I uh, 
since we're at the end of the book, I decided to make connections throughout the entire book as well as our final little bit of uh, the book. So, um, the first connection I made was just war stories from uh, her brother because they are always hard to get out of uh, people who did not have a good time in war. Uh, I know that from my own personal experience uh, through my, my father. And he has a hard time discussing anything other than the joys of being uh, on the ship with his friends. Anything to have to do with battle, he doesn't like to talk about or rescues or any of that. Um, and then uh, there's other notes of that. There's just PTSD in general. You have the, the veterans, uh, different societies for them. Um, yeah, it, it's very hard to get those stories out of people sometimes um and then just in general we are set in an internment camp for most of the book so that is it's an easy connection to make with any other internment camps or any other stories from internment camps in the united states as well as concentration camps in uh in europe during world war ii as well or even the labor and concentration camps in china as we speak with the Uyghur muslims um, as well as the, the identity crisis and, um, the yes, yes, no, no, that was a major, uh, story point in the book, uh, and led to a lot of situations. They, it is very hard and it's kind of a connection to our politics these days, uh, as you're either completely with one side or you're against that one side. It's very hard to be a moderate and especially when you're in the public eye, you're either a complete uh, trumping Trumper Republican, or you're a, uh, or to the Republicans, you're a liberal who's a pansy or something like that. You know, it, it's very, it sucks a lot. However, it's either one way or the other. It's a light switch. There is no uh, in between. It seems in a lot of these things. Uh, also. The having to be removed from homes. This was at the beginning of the book. They uh, were all removed from their homes. And uh, that's something that happened to the Jewish in uh, Germany and the surrounding states during World War II. We've seen that during uh, the Vietnam era when people were forced out of their homes uh, because of napalm and uh, all that kind of stuff. We have people being forced out of their homes during the Korean War from every war in our history. Uh, we didn't even go back to like seven years war where the Swedish forced the the Czechs out of their homes. Um, and it, it's something that happens consistently throughout history and it's very sad because you grow up in these places and then you're forced out of them. Um, and then finally we have the story itself. It's a retelling of what happened to um, to Mary, and we can see that with like other books like Night by um, Ely Weisel, and other retellings of what happened to these people, and that is what how we learn about our history, and it's seen constantly throughout all history, all kinds of history from. Uh, <laughs> Naval history to railroad history to the smallest bits of tribal history written in cave paintings from the Neolithic times. So th those are all the connections I made. And uh, that's how I feel about them. All right, so...
We'll now uh, move towards the questions. So my first question is, before reading um, Looking Like the Enemy, have you ever heard or learned about, you know, Japanese internment camps and what happened? Uh, yeah, I have. I knew about it because I went to the Midway Museum, which isn't a World War II battleship. However, they do talk about it a little bit. And also just from, uh, you know, knowing some history uh, about World War II. Yeah, I have like some background on it, like from like a U U.S. history class back in like middle school and just like things like that. Um, obviously I had like, uh, we had like kind of like a basic understanding, basic teachings of internment camps, uh, back then in our, like, um, but I, seeing it from like a firsthand perspective really makes me like understand them more and just see how, just seeing how tough it was, um, from Mary's perspective, it was really interesting to read about. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um. In school, they kind of like, you know, restored the subject, but the way she um, uh, tells the story in the book kind of let, uh, lets you see it from a different angle. So question two is, um, did you have a lot of connections to the author as you were reading? If so, name one of them. Um, I did have like, oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, I did have a connection. I think I mentioned it last podcast, how like she always has like language barriers and struggles with her family um, because obviously she's not completely fluent in Japanese and all the letters would be in uh, Japanese going back and forth um, and like having to help them with like legal stuff. It relates back to me because my parents are foreign as well. And just like sometimes there's language or like even with like my grandparents, um, there's always the language barrier and just not being able to completely help them or understand what they're trying to tell me is just really tough and stressful. Um, I have a connection to it uh, because uh, while the internment camps, we can all agree, were terrible, they were not as bad as the concentration camps in uh, in Europe. We can all agree on that, I think. You know, uh, I don't, there weren't many deaths in those camps that were not from natural causes even though there were killings, and that is utterly terrible. But I know of my relatives uh, from World War II who were in the Czech in Czechoslovakia who disagreed with Hitler taking over uh, their country and were sent to death. Um, I know about those things. Some of them escaped. Some of them got let out afterwards, and some of them died in those camps and, uh, and were also forced out of their homes. So it sucks but I, I do have a connection to it. Okay, it's a good connection. Um, uh, my third question is, um, do you think that everything told in the story is 100% the truth, or do you think the author bent the story a little bit? I mean, there's probably hyperbolization every now and again. That's just with every retelling, no matter who you ask with any... Uh, like, oh, I caught a fish that was, that was 22 feet long. I, I, there was this mouse. It was a, the size of a cat. Like, there's going to be hyperbolizations that, uh, either are meant to dissuade our audience or it is meant to just give, uh, accent to it and give it more, uh, of a way to see it. But... I feel like it is mostly true. I'd say probably 99.99% 99 .99 true. 
Uh, all of the major events are definitely true. Uh, however, semantics are the only things that I feel would be untrue completely. I Yeah, I would agree as well. And because she had written it so late in her life, um, I, I read the author's note afterwards. I think she read it. She wrote it around 80 years old or something. Not 80, something like that. It was just really late in her life after she had retired. Um, so obviously not everything would be to the best of her memory. Um, usually in like trauma situations, like I, I can't remember if in trauma you can remember more, you remember less, but since it was so long ago, she, it's probably some things are hazy. So she had to edit some things. But I would say that she's very truthful as well, because not only does she explain like the real life events that had occurred and like how she was affected by things like the bombing in uh, Japan. Um, what was I gonna say? I lost my train of thought. She is, she is reliable in that sense. So I would say it's, uh, I would say it's mostly true. But, and, oh, oh yeah, and then also she includes um, pictures of like her and her brother, um, obviously when he'd come back from the war and just uh, things like that, little memorabilia to show like credibility and everything. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Um, since she did write the book at, you know, uh, very late in her life, she probably, you know, uh, tried to, you know, remember it to the best of her ability. But um, sometimes, you know, it's not going to be 100% the truth. Um, moving on to the fourth, uh, my fourth question is, what was the saddest part of the story in your opinion? Honestly, I think the saddest part was the ending because, yeah, there, there were a lot of sad parts, but it really hit hard near the end because um, every, everything was going after her, after her parents got out of the internment camp, or at, at, all people got out of the internment camps, um, and they were all just being able to live their lives the way they wanted to. Her, her parents went back to Bashan, or I don't know if it's the exact way to pronounce it, but um, it was really sad because it, they had... Uh, Mary was stuck in Iowa most of the time. She couldn't come back home for Christmas and her parents like sent a letter. And then eventually one by one, her the rest of her family started dying uh, before her. So it was her mom, her uh, her mom from cancer, her, her dad from just natural causes and then her brother from a heart attack. Um, and then I think in the author's note, she also stated how she just felt so lost that she didn't have her brother and like her family to, to be there for her. So I feel like it's a sort of like survivor's guilt that she had got. And it was just really sad to read all of that. Like, it was a really nice ending. It was uh, really sweet. I, I liked it. And it just felt really depressing. But it was still a really good story overall. And I feel like that was the saddest part. Uh, uh, the saddest part for me was actually the beginning of the book, which is the complete opposite of what Abby's saying. Uh, it's when they're torn away from their home. They're forced to pack up and leave only with their little bits of, uh, of home. And I feel like it's very sad because now, in retrospective, looking at the uh, at the book itself, you know how much that's going to change their lives and how how different their lives would have been had they never been torn away from their home. How how much better things would have been for those years if they would have been able to stay at their strawberry farm, you know? Yeah, and that's it's, true. It's their childhood home, and they're just being taken away from it. And you know, I feel like that's very very sad. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree with um, both of you. The book's definitely very sad. Um, my fifth and final question is why, even though this, um, everything in the story happened many years ago, 
why is this book still relevant today? It's still relevant today because people are still being discriminated against by the color of their skin or by their creed or religion, whatever. It's the same thing. We, we, we're still dealing with these internment camps. Uh, while I have my own opinions about the American prison system and how close to an internment camp it is, um, not to say that, you know, people don't deserve to go to prison because of, uh, crimes they did, but I feel like it could be better. Uh, but also we have the Uyghur Muslims in China who are being put in these camps for re-education because, uh, they believe in Islam. So it's very relevant. Yeah, it's and it's been a consistent thing throughout, like pretty much a majority of history of just discrimination, um, and like Ethan said, the internment camps in China, and it's pretty much just never ending. Like someone somewhere is always going to be discriminated, no matter what. And this story, no matter no matter what time period it occurred, it's still relevant, and it's always going to be relevant. It's built into our DNA that we dislike people who don't look like us it's built into our dna it's why we have the in the uncanny valley that's why we don't like uh it was built to keep us away from uh neanderthals and other uh human subspecies uh we have no matter what we're gonna have these un these biases that we can't drop it's it is a sad thing however it's human and once and they will never be gone because once we drop those all of our biases we're no longer human yeah i agree with both of you as long as um you know discrimination is going to be a problem you know all over the world this book would always be relevant and it'll always be a lesson to the kids of the future and the people of the future and uh yeah, that's why I think the book will be relevant. And that was my final question. And this is our last podcast. Thank you for listening, Miss Powell. And bye.